0: This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley. It's Friday, so let's recap this week's news. A former senator will go to jail. The governor is open to rethinking recent action on abortion. And two reports on affordable housing in New Hampshire were released this past week, both illustrating just how critical the housing situation in the state has become for both renters and buyers. And our top story for the week is the stress of finding housing here in New Hampshire. NHPR reporters Casey McDermott and Daniela Ali join me live in the studio to talk about this and some other top headlines. Thanks for talking about this this morning. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Rick.
2: Hi, Rick.
0: And it's great to have everybody in one room post-pandemic, we hope. Um, you know, uh, Casey, we, we've got some pretty eye-opening numbers about the rental market this week from the New Hampshire Housing Finance Authority, and among them, a vacancy rate of less than 1%. That, what, what are some of the other big takeaways from this?
1: Indeed. So um, just to put that vacancy rate into perspective, housing officials say that a healthy vacancy rate is closer to 5%. So effectively, right now, there's there's no turnover mm. in our rental market. It is, a, it is of course, happening, but just not really where it needs to be. Um, the other big takeaways are that rents are rising. Not surprising, probably, to anyone who's been looking lately. But um, just to put that into perspective, the median rent for a two-bedroom unit uh, rental unit is just shy of $1,500 statewide. In some places, um, it's even higher higher than that. And then, you know, to underscore that, there just aren't many places that renters can afford. Um, You know, the Housing Finance Authority looked at um, how many units were available at a price that seemed like it was within the realm of what people could afford who were on the rental market. And it was pretty bleak when they when they dug into that.
0: And we've asked, you know, listeners to write in with their questions about New Hampshire's housing crisis this week. And, and you can do that by sending an email, by the way, to voices at NHPR.org. We got this from Chris in Raymond. He says, I, I know several people that are looking for apartments and, and cannot find any available. The state needs to encourage more of these to be built, especially for those willow incomes. And, and so it, it really does talk, you know, talk about supply here. Daniela, New Hampshire's Council on Housing Stability, you know, released a new plan to increase available housing by over 13,000 units in the next 3 years. That seems like a pretty lofty goal.
2: Yeah, I mean they they've proposed it's a 40-page strategic plan that they've put forward and there are a number of policies and uh, on a, on a number of fronts cuz that's something that, you know, in Casey and I's reporting that we've talked to that that's the solut—that's the main solution, right? And that's not going to be a quick one that we need more units available, units that are affordable for people who are working full time, who are, you know, trying to move to the state, people who are maybe transitioning out of homelessness. Um, so there are a couple of, of like broad strokes here in this plan, um, both like be- being able to increase housing stability for people who maybe are on the brink a little bit of possibly going into homelessness, also removing regulatory barriers at the local level around zoning, um... Something that I heard from Alyssa Margle and the director of housing action, New Hampshire kind of refers to this attitude as like, yes, in my backyard. Um, and then, you know, offering financial incentives and tax offsets to promote that housing production. And, uh, you know, one big suggestion, too, was like, how about using vacant commercial properties to develop that uh, into into housing, into different apartment units? Um, and also, you know, there's some. Some goals there at the legislative level too to create more incentives um, for municipalities to kind of like opt in to hopefully develop more more housing.
0: Well, let's hear from something from Alyssa Margolin uh, about this the supply issue here.
2: You need resources, you need a friendly policy
1: landscape, and you need uh, cultural. Uh, acceptance
0: and commitment to actually
2: doing something about this. What
0: does she mean by that, Daniela?
2: Yeah, I mean she means that when, because I, I asked her that when I was talking with her, she, you know, it's like you can't just have a bunch of money put into, you can't just be putting all of your energy into one pot of either money or it can't just be policy on its own. And it has to have all these things working in conjunction together, having the political will to do things, having people at the local level willing to, you know, maybe I talked with George Hansel yesterday, the mayor of Keene. He was like, hey, maybe we need to be thinking a little bit about how we could look at our zoning so that we could use commercial property to have more rental units too. So it kind of needs to be functioning at several different levels at the same time. And I think that's at least the people I've talked with, that's part of why they're excited by this plan is that there seems to be some cohesion, both from the state level, local levels, and like a bunch of service providers too, around like an agreement of like, hey, we have these goals of 13,500 units by 2024. And, you know, a, a goal around making homelessness brief, one time rare. Uh, so I We'll see. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done around this, and uh, I think it's just kind of the start of of maybe addressing this very longstanding issue that we've had in the state.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's always been a comprehensive issue, obviously. This is not a quick fix, especially when you're talking about supply. uh, by the way, this is Morning Edition on NHPR. We're talking with reporters Daniela Ali and Casey McDermott um, about uh, the re- the week's news, but specifically about the housing crisis going on here uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, I want to get to another listener question that we got this week. Um, Alice from New Market says, I'm relatively new to New Hampshire, and I've been wanting to find out more about how zoning works in the state. Is it contributing to the shortage of housing? And if so, are there any groups that are working to change that? And I know, Daniela, you addressed a little bit of that, but... Maybe we could talk a little bit more about that, Casey.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I um, I put this question to Dean Christian of New Hampshire Housing yesterday, and he said, you know, undoubtedly zoning and regulatory policies more broadly are a major contributor to housing and availability and affordability in this state. And you know, just to spell that out for people, zoning policies and decisions often that are made at the local level um, have a lot of bearing on how much housing gets built, where it gets built, how much it's going to cost, because that could be tied to you know the density of how many units could be built on a particular piece of property. So that varies, you know, town by town in New Hampshire. And, you know, there has been some work in the last few years um, to, you know, provide some more kind of tools or flexibility, or in some cases, you know, um, Dean said, even uh, contemplating doing more to kind of require local governments to keep Um, affordability and availability in mind as they're making certain decisions at the local level. Not all of those have been, you know, finalized or made it through the legislature, Mm -hmm. but it definitely seems like housing is, um, you know, increasingly an issue that is making it onto the priority list of uh, state policymakers as well as local ones. But, of
0: course, New Hampshire traditionally a very, you know, it's a local control state. So things, you know, zoning regulations vary town to town, city to city.
1: And can also vary on, you know, uh, depending on what kind of feedback or in some cases pushback um, comes from local neighbors in a community that may not want to see um, additional housing being built.
0: Sure. Uh, Daniela and Casey, I want to thank you so much for for giving an update on housing. And I know you are both on the beat and we'll be hearing much more of your reporting in the weeks to come. But I wanted to turn to some other top headlines um, from the week. Uh, former Whitefield State Senator Jeff Wordburn was sentenced on domestic violence charges. This past week, um, Danielle, can you tell us what happened there.
2: Yeah. So on Tuesday, Woodburn was sentenced to sixty days in jail, and that sentencing comes about three years after he was charged and two months after his conviction. And the judge overseeing the case ordered him to report to the Coos County House of Corrections in this August, I believe, August thirteenth. Um, but Woodburn plans uh, says he plans to appeal his case.
0: Okay. Um. In. in Finally, Danielle, you've had uh, some—I want to talk about um, Governor Sununu a little bit, Casey. Uh, Casey, he says he could be open to revisiting the the new state requirement that every abortion in New Hampshire be preceded by an ultrasound. It it looks like Sununu's stance on this policy, which he did sign a law last month with, with the new budget bill. Could be evolving.
1: Indeed, indeed. Um, As uh, my colleague Josh Rogers reported earlier this week, you know, ever since Republican lawmakers put that ban on abortion after 24 weeks into the state budget, Governor Sununu has been stressing that it wasn't his idea. So while he uh, does fully support outlawing abortion after 24 weeks, he's less invested in requiring an ultrasound precede every abortion. Um, In an interview with WGIR on Tuesday, Sununu said that he doesn't like any government mandate. and if the ultrasound mandate proves onerous, he's open to reversing it.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm worried about the politics about this a little bit. Was he getting some pushback from the general public on this?
1: I think it remains to be seen, you know, how this will affect his um, kind of status, reputation, what have you, as someone who has always at least claimed to be pro-choice um, and has not been very keen to um, enact uh, sweeping Restrictions yeah. on reproductive health, but um, certainly the Democrats have been making making a lot over this, and ha- I think that we can expect to um, to continue to see that.
0: Okay, and there's all kinds of speculation about his political future and if he would run for Senate and 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 so on. So there's a lot to watch there, and obviously we will be watching it for you. Uh, and finally, Daniela, you've had some reporting um, lately on community power efforts um, here in New Hampshire. More and more towns and cities adopting community power plans in New Hampshire. First, if you could recap. What community power plans are and, and what's what's evolving here?
2: Sure. So community power plans uh, allow towns, counties, municipalities, basically, to purchase power in bulk on behalf of residents and businesses. So advocates say that, hey, like if you can purchase power in bulk, kind of think like a buying co-op, right? Like maybe you can get a cheaper price or at least a price that's equal to the utility default rate. Um, and the other component of community power is that with that choice that comes from a community choosing, well, I want to buy on behalf of my, you know, be the one to to pick that energy. Uh, it can they can pick where it comes from, maybe, and how much percentage they want to for that to be green, um, for that that kind of mix of as a, a mix of green energy in particular with with you know, like the town of Hanover uh, or Keene or some other cities that have these pretty big 2030 goals of, you know, 100 percent renewable electricity. Um And and it it can kind of, you know, advocates say maybe this could really change the landscape of our energy system here in the state with kind of going back to that local control and we've idea. we've traditionally
0: had very high energy prices here yeah. in the region, too. So, yeah. Yeah. And the idea to... Hopefully lower rates, but also to meet these carbon emissions goals. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we've got I think four municipalities now in the state are are adopting these plans.
2: I believe it's three. I think th- okay. Hanover. Hanover adopted a plan this Tuesday. Keene was the very first, and then the small town of Harrisville in the southwestern part of the state. And I know the city of Lebanon had its first public hearing about its community power plan last night. So there are, I think, there are like dozens of towns looking at this, thinking about it, trying to figure out, you know, maybe is this something that we need to want to propose for next town meeting? Because that is something, if you are a town that needs to be approved through town meeting, if you're a city... It's a city council. Um, so they're kind of different processes. And even bef- but we're still those p- community power programs, even though three towns have approved them, they're still not you know ready to launch. Like people aren't <laughs> aren't aren't doing that yet because uh, we're still, you know, waiting on rules from the Public Utilities Commission around how does community power work? Let's get that all hammered out. Um, so that's kind of what we're waiting for at a state level state level. Yeah,
0: it's first steps, local steps first, and then there's a lot of wrangling and regulation that has to go into this, I'm sure. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and and of course, we'll see what happens as more towns and cities possibly look at doing this, um, but it, this is a years-long process.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the law was originally passed that allowed for opt-out programs, so basically you automatically enroll everyone. People then have the choice to say, I actually don't want to be a part of this program. That was in 2019, yeah. so we are just now seeing in 2021 towns the first three towns that have approved those kind of opt-out programs um so it's you know advocates are like well yeah, it's been a long time coming for this to finally you know kind of kind of get rolling here so
0: yeah yeah okay well we'll be watching it i know you will be reporting on it we will have much more of your reporting on it as well on air and online by the way you can find more of Daniela's reporting on community power in new hampshire as well as all of the other news stories mentioned right here today always again at nhpr.org nhpr reporters Daniela Ali and Casey McDermott thank you both for coming in early this morning and being in studio it's really nice to see your faces in the building
2: good to see yours too rick likewise rick
0: it is morning edition you can by the way by the way you can tune in next friday morning as we recap the big news of the week i am rick ali and this is morning edition from nhpr